What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David, Candace, and Isaac. And another loss for the Memphis Grizzlies. But it's not all grim and and death and terrible and blow everything up. Jaron Jackson Jr. with a superstar performance. 44 points tonight on 15 of 24 from the field. Unbelievable offensive showing from him. And also, for you haters out there, he had seven rebounds to go along with the 44 <laughs> points and five defensive stats. Like This was a well-rounded game from Jaron Jackson Jr. Vince Williams continues to play at a very high level and should be a rotation player even when this team gets healthy. For what he brings offense, it's been wildly inconsistent. That's to be expected. But night in and night out, he's going to be a positive defender for this team. I like what we're seeing from him. I mean, I don't even have a question. Candace, thoughts on the game? Well, well, it's two games to talk about here. So we just got this recent game against the uh, Houston Rockets. Um, missing Desmond Bain in that one, he was missed. For sure. And then you've got the Dallas Mavericks uh, game. I think there were some positive things in both. Uh, I think Jaron Jackson having back-to-back 40-point games, I think he's the only player outside of John Morant to do that uh, in franchise history. So shout out to him. He's been playing phenomenal. It's really good to see him getting his element. He struggled for a while there. He really did struggle. And it's nice to see him get sort of in a rhythm, really hoping that, you know, we always talk about this, but that he and, and Jonathan click at the same time. This bodes well for that. Um, I also think, like you said, you get positive minutes out of uh, Vince Williams Jr. I really think he's earned consistent minutes, really no matter what shakeups happen on this roster. I think that uh, D. Rose was really critical tonight for them. Um, he's sort of been able to consistently facilitate, but he does have he, – he's had trouble scoring. Uh, tonight, shots were falling for him. Uh, he ended up with – uh, 19 points tonight. So, you know, there were some there were some stretches that you like, but I think tonight was just about just not having the talent. I think, you know, some people are going to argue that when you're this low down in your depth, lineups don't really matter as much. I, I beg to differ. I think that even amongst this group of your know, backhand bench, that there still are decisions that you can make in certain times to – you know, just offshoot. Like, for example, I I personally, you had Jake Arabia playing after Vince Williams Jr. fouled out. I would have made the choice to go Jalen Noel. I know he did not get any points for you, but I also know he's very good defensively. And you just have some momentum breakers, I think, when you have guys like Zaire and, um, and, John, and, and Jake Arabia in particular out there at times like that. Even John Contra, I think, would have been a better – a value add just because you know those guys just tend to make mistakes at some of the worst times it's not anything anything quantitative you could you could say about it it's just that when it comes to momentum plays for example at fast break opportunities Zaire misses a dunk um and that's supposed to be his bread and butter maybe the throw could have been better but I mean bro you gotta yeah it was definitely a, a catchable knuckle ball a couple of times he's decided to make passes in the post instead of just hopping up and taking that himself he that seems to be a habit from him, a trend from him, where he's got an opportunity to make a shot and he decides to pass it in the post, uh, trying to play make it. It never ends well. Like I don't really know if too many times I can recall that it worked out very well. 
it's just those types of things, those really small things that switch a game. Jake LaRavia had back-to-back um, poor plays that just whenever they got within one, two, three, they're close, they're making a run. Just those critical mistakes is really what it came down to. Um, I think just a small switch with having somebody out there just with a little bit more experience, like a Conchar, like a Jalen Noel, would have been better than the decision that they made to tonight. But, I mean, I'm not going to harp on, on coaching too much. I do know it's tough when you are out this many guys. So um, I will just give out flowers to those who really did well. Um, you just wish you could have got more from your, your younger wings. But you know, what else to do? Isaac, but before we go to you, Candace, I'm going to throw you a question here regarding what you were saying with Zaire. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched him on multiple occasions get downhill and then look to dump the ball off. Do you think that any of that is the coaching staff trying to unlock his playmaking? Or do you think that that's just naturally he's not going to look to score the ball? He's looking to to get penetration and then dish to somebody else. A little both. And I think it's hard to say it's any one thing. It's obvious that sometimes in other situations he's deferred. So I do think part of it is just him not being willing to take the shots. He's passing up other opportunities as well that were good open shots that he just decided to pass instead. Um, but I also do know that they are pushing and playmaking for him. I've always stood on that. I felt like that was too much for him to take on at once. And he did have three assists tonight, but I mean, yeah, I don't really feel like those three assists were really that helpful. I think you, I think he just should have been able to focus on one thing first and master that before they try to have him just be a master of a bunch of things and not good at any one thing. Um, so, I, yeah, I say both, but uh, either way, it is frustrating to watch. You know, on the game tonight, man, I think you knew going in without Desmond Bain, it was going to be a Uphill climb, just – I mean, we've seen this team struggle. you got Desmond Bain and Jared Jackson Jr. have big games, and they still weren't able to get a win. So you knew coming into this game, it, it was going to be tough. Um, and, and just a lot of situations, as, as Candace mentioned, where you're playing some of the young guys and they're out there making mistakes. And, and to the people that say that, oh, well, you can't really blame coaching uh, because – of the, the shape the roster's in, I, I push back on that wholeheartedly. No matter what the talent level is, there still should be a pecking order. There's still situational things where you should have certain guys on the floor. And as Candace said, I think I would have had Noel, even though he wasn't scoring tonight. Still, just defensive-wise, I still would have had him in the game and close over Jake LaRavia. Uh, just a lot of different momentum situations where you just had those young guys kill you. Zaire, Took some bad shots, some threes, Jake Arabia as well. Uh, the shots that killed momentum and then the Houston Rockets ended up going down and scoring on the other end. It seems like every time they got it down to a couple points, uh, th- th- it would be a bad shot or a turnover, a ill-advised play, and Houston would take advantage of it. Um, and they just couldn't ever fly back in the game. But shout out to, to Jaron Jackson Jr., man. He put his Superman cape on. Uh, gave you another 40-point, 40-piece wing special tonight. Uh, 44 points. Seven rebounds, two assists, four steals, one block, uh, just doing it all. Knocked down three threes um, in the game. Just didn't have a, a lot of help tonight. Uh, a really good game from Derrick Rose, though. Um, was able to facilitate really well tonight. 19 points, four rebounds, six assists, a block. Shot it really well, seven to 14 
uh, from the floor. Uh, but Vince Williams Jr., man, continues to to look like he could be that, that 3 and D piece for this team. Uh, definitely, I think, the best out of this group of young guys. Uh, he continues to fill the stat sheet of 10.7 rebounds and assists, a steal, knocked down two threes in 28 minutes. But outside of that, man, just not – not a lot, not enough from the other guys. Um, you only got let's say, 17, 19, 11, 12, 19 points off the bench combined um, in, in this game tonight, man. That's just not not going to cut it. Uh, you just need more help from those other guys. And without Desmond Bain, man, you knew it was going to be a, a struggle to score um, out there tonight. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, you, the positives that you take out of this is just what you've seen out of Trip these last couple games, what you've been seeing out of Bain offensively, and you just hope when you add job back to that, that those guys can can stay at a similar level. Um, and, and you have those three guys playing at a high level, man. I think this basketball team will be fine. I definitely think they can find a way to to, to find a way to that 10 seed or in that play in. And who knows? I um, mean, you get in the play in, this is a team that's going to be better than what their record indicates. So they're definitely going to be a team if they get in there that whoever there is on the other side, they're not going to want to see because it's they're not going to be a true representation. That 10 seed, they're not going to really be the 10 seed so to speak. So uh, this that's the positive that you can take out of it, man. Just a couple more games. Uh, 12 is going to be back. I think they win on Friday night. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose to this Rockets team third time. At least I hope not. Uh, I think they get the win and tough one on they, at OKC. Uh, I think that's on Monday before John returns. But look at that seven wins. Um, we were hoping it was going to be better than that. But it is what it is, man. Just got to pick yourself up, man, and, and try to climb back in this race. Yeah, looking, here, go ahead, Candace. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. So, looking at the box score, one of the biggest deficits for the Grizzlies is rebounding, fifty-eight to thirty-nine. Also, minus ten on offensive boards. Yeah, you know, like the, the the second chance points just seem to come. They were like momentum killers. Like the Grizzlies would be. Close, and then Tarese and pulls down yeah. offensive. Like he he was killing them on the offensive glass. He had six himself tonight. But why not? Like convince me, educate me, whatever you want to call it. Why do you not see more minutes from Conchar when you're just getting killed on the boards? A guy that that can rebound the ball. If he doesn't do anything else when he's out there, he typically rebounds the ball well. Aldama had some foul trouble, had, you know, four fouls in 15 minutes. That's unfortunate. But you got Tillman, a guy on the bench that can rebound the ball. You're getting destroyed down there. Why not move to one of those other guys that can maybe help you in the area that if you clean that up, if you, if that is instead of 19, if that's a eight or nine rebound difference, the Grizzlies may win this game. Yeah, I 100% agree with your point. I, that's what I mentioned earlier. Like, I would have rather seen Conchar in at those minutes instead of Jake Arabia. He's proven to be able to give you, you know, what you can get from him rebounding from those things, hustle plays, one of those things. And I think this is a situation where it would have been ideal to see him because we know Conchar tends to struggle when the team is struggling. But when the team has momentum, when they're going on a run, he can add to that. He can provide winning, winning plays specifically in those scenarios and kind of give you a boost in those areas. He tends to shine there. So when you're in it and you're only down one or you're down two or three points, bringing in John Conchar, I think, 
would be a great move to sort of push you over the hunt and get you a couple of winning plays, a deflection here or a rebound there that could have ultimately made the difference in the game. Um, to me, I don't really, to be honest, it seems like in terms of who plays and who has not played over the past two games for sure, it's really just been picking out of a hat, to be honest. Like, I can't follow the strategy behind why why this group is in over this group or, you know, this player is in over that player. To me, it hasn't really made much sense. I, I thought we'd gotten away from that because we've seen sort of a a consistent nine, right, knowing that um, Vince Williams Jr. was adding much, knowing that Noel, when he was getting consistent minutes, when he was adding, even if he wasn't giving you much on the offensive end, I think you'd begin to find, to find a rhythm. Conchar filling in here and there, and then past two games, they get close to the mark about, um, you know, they, they got to make a decision. Roster-wise, we've been talking about for, that for a while on Bees, Mac, and Noel, Seems like the front office was like, hey, let's see what we got on the back end of the bench. And that's kind of what you've seen, to be honest. Like, I don't think there's any other reason other than that the front office just wants to see what they have in some of these guys uh, because we found something that worked um, pretty well and that at least had them competitive in, in, you know, pretty much in almost every game. And I don't know, man, but I, I really do feel like the front office – has some say in why these lineups have looked so random, why we haven't seen players and we have seen others. To me, there's been no reason to make those decisions other than that roster decisions are coming. Yeah, man, the, the second chance points really killed them tonight. I mean, the Grizzlies did, especially in the second half, they did a, a really good job on the initial defense and then they give up offense rebound and put back. And that's kind of how, Houston kept ma- maintaining that lead while the Grizzlies couldn't get all the way back in the game. It's just too many second-chance points. You talk about being minus 10 on offensive boards. I mean, this is the second game in a row where they really got beat up um, rebounding-wise. Um, and, and you talk about the lineups, man, it's it's weird. Um, my mind was kind of kind of thinking tonight, you just got to look at it. You got Xavier Tillman on the bench and also John Conchar. It, it, it's super weird because we know how much – Tillman likes those guys. Like, Jeff Lockman Jr., you understand why he's not playing. There's a lot of games where Jenkins doesn't go to him. But for to not play those guys tonight, not play Tillman at all, that, that's pretty interesting to me. I think it definitely has some political aspects to it, something coming down from the front office. I don't know if maybe, I hate to speculate, that Tillman might be on the move or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they wanted to, to see other guys to showcase them. But there was something going on. With those lineups, but Kunchar had been playing really well. Um, he had seemed to be finding a rhythm. We know what Jalen Noel can do, and you got Jacob Ravia just coming back, and you have him closing the game. And in the game late, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I, I don't know why you would have Jacob Ravia on the floor because you think about you won't you need defense at that time. And we know Jalen Noel, even though he struggled on the offensive end at times, and I think a lot of that has to do with sporadic minutes when he was playing consistently. He was even making, he was playing well offensively as well. But you know what he's going to bring on the defensive end. I, I really like what him and Vince Williams bring, Jr. bring together when they're on the floor together defensively. And I, I just don't know why you have the radio on the floor because he's not giving you anything on offense and he's definitely not giving you anything on defense. So it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. So I definitely think there was more than meet the eye there. I, I don't think it was just a normal, well, these are just the guys I want to play. These are the guys that I feel like need to be on the floor at this time. 
I, I think there was a little bit more going on there. The, 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 regardless of what it was, I think there was something going on there for sure. Yeah. So the the second chance points really the Rockets had nineteen total second chance points. The the alarming part is ten of those nineteen came in the fourth quarter, and that that's when it matters. The Grizzlies came out in the third after looking kind of rough in the first half and and punched them in the mouth. Got back in this game, made it look like it's like okay, they're going to make this a game, and then in the fourth quarter. The, the wheels just kind of fell off of it. And that's something that, that we've seen, I feel like, on repeat this year is that they were, they're in the game, but at some point in the fourth quarter, things just go awry. Well, you need guys in that instance. Like, you need guys to step up, and they haven't had the talent. And I don't think that the line of decisions have helped. I think there were situations where it could have easily been avoided, the wheels falling off. Um, this doesn't feel like last season there was a pattern of them collapsing in the fourth. To me, it hasn't felt like that. I really feel like there are things that could have been done to negate some of the um, momentum shifts that happened. And I put that mostly on coaching, but I don't really think that it's, I don't view this as in the same way. I think, um, because even a good portion of the fourth, they were still in the game. I mean, it didn't really fall off the rails to like the last four minutes. Maybe, I mean, as soon as Vince Williams subbed out and Jake came in, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say where they kind of lost the momentum. Uh, you got that three-point foul, uh, Zaire Williams on the three-point shot, cut it to one at the end of the third. In those first three to four minutes when Jerry Jackson Jr. was off the floor, that's when it kind of, I think Houston opened the lead up to nine or ten. Uh, Van Bleek kind of got going. He had been quiet the entire game. Once he got going, that's funny, kind of when they opened it back up. Trip came back in, Vince Williams. Was in trip hit that three. I think cut it to six, and they kind of they kind of stayed stayed in contact until the end. But then, like Ken said, final four or five minutes of the game, it just kind of floodgates kind of open. And I just think it had to do with the lineup. I mean, you brought took Vince Williams off the floor and brought Jake Laravia back in. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what what are you thinking? Um, at this point in the game, you really after seeing what Jake has done, the body of work he's had in this game specifically. Why would you bring him back in at that point when you have Jake Noel on the bench? I just don't understand it. Uh, but I, again, I think it has to be politics. They know this is possibly Jake Noel's Jake, Jake Noel's last game with the team, and they Jake Jake Arabia is their guy, and that's what they decided to go with. But I think we've seen time and time again where this team does make some decisions that don't necessarily have to do with basketball, and I think that's what we saw down the stretch. Maybe they still lose the game. I'm not going to say that you put Jake Noel in and they win, but you still need to put your best foot forward, man. Stop putting the politics aside and put your best five players on the floor to close the game and give yourself a chance, man. And I just, I don't feel like they did that tonight. Or a Mavericks game. That matter. Because I, you know, I that that game was interesting to me because Vince Williams Jr. did an excellent job guarding Luka. He really did. Uh, Tell him the two or nine shooting is what NBA stats uh, had a mass and he disappeared for like two quarters and they brought him back in but it's one of those things where again it just seems like Luka got cooked by then yeah like it, when when Jenkins when Jenkins makes the makes the right call it seems like it's always just a little bit too late and to not have Vince playing for two quarters and I mean Luke was eating by then he sort of got in a rhythm and it didn't really matter I mean Vince still did a good job when he came in the game on him 
but it really was too late. And they would they just had too big of a hole that lineup that worked. It worked well in the first half. You bring them back in the close, rightfully so, but you bring it in so late that they don't have enough time to really make the push that they needed. And they were able to, you know, look competitive in the end. I I will say the, the positive thing that I, I like about all of this is we've seen games where these guys have given up by the third. And even if they are down in the third, you've seen them come back and be scrappy in the fourth. I like that mentality. I like them to see them to see them continue that. Um, that you don't just see these guys giving up. And that's it used to just be Desmond Bain, who was the only guy who was that way. But it seems like the whole team is rallied around being scrappy at the end, feeling like you're in it, making it a fight. I like that part. But, you know, for me, and I know people will disagree because they'll say the, the roster isn't where it's supposed to be 100%. But there's still personnel decisions that you can make to put your players that you do have in the best position. And to me, that's what these last two games come down to. Yeah, I do want to touch on real quick the perimeter defense. Man, it, it had started to look like they had made strides there. But but these last two games, man, they've – really kind of reverted back to what they were before the, with the overhelping, man. It was bad tonight, especially in the first half. They did a little bit better job in the second half, but just way too many wide-open threes, man, for, for the Rockets tonight. Same thing against Dallas. Just guys stepping into practice shots, just coming out of court, just stepping into shots. Um, and Brevin talked about it a lot on the broadcast tonight, man. It's just – and they do the same thing. It's just over and over, man. I don't understand how, as a coaching staff, you sit there on the sideline and you see this happen over and over and over again and you still continue to do the same things. I just, I don't understand it because it's elementary level basketball stuff. It's not, this ain't rocket science, man. It just stops the overhelping, man. I, I don't understand it, but that's just Jenkins' philosophy. They they care more about guarding the pain and they're stubborn about it, man. They just, they won't change it. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for them to change it, man, but you just can't get guys and a lot of and sometimes even when they do make adjustments, by that time the guys have gotten hot, they're in a rhythm, and they're they're knocking down contested threes at that point. So it's it's been pretty bad again the last couple of games, man. I gave them praise for the days, a couple two days before the end, but it, they reverted all the way back tonight, man. Especially in that first half, it was just layup type threes for for Houston in the first half. Yeah, and I think a lot of them finding the rhythm had to do with playing Joel and Vince together. You saw a lot of the perimeter defense get get, get really strong. And I, apparently the stats say that John Conchar is top 10 in contested three-pointers. I found that hard to believe, but apparently that is what it is. I think that was the NBA University stat, if I'm not mistaken. I, I saw it on Twitter somewhere. But anyway, and he was getting minutes, and we were acknowledging that he was playing well. Um, you're not playing those guys anymore, man. I don't think it's that hard. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Arabians out here. A lot of Arabians out here out there tonight, man. So yeah, man. What else? What else? You got? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake Gilliard guarding the three line for you. I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the stuff is just like out of necessity, right? Like because yeah. you've only got so many bodies on the roster, but okay. at at the end of the day, if you're playing to win basketball games and you're not just out here collecting data, why not put? the lineups out there that are working and, right, exactly. and we won't, we won't know the answer to that. We have no idea. And and Jenkins is just going to give some, you know, washed over coach answer. Anytime that he's been asked, this is something gotta be you know, better, man. like, Oh, <laughs> as members of the media, 
when you ask questions, you can't force them to give you the answer that everybody is looking for. So you ask a question and you could see it across the board from, from a number of different coaches across the number, like football, baseball. When you ask a coach a question regarding the team and the strategy, I would say a good eight, maybe even nine times out of 10, you're going to get some sort of bull crap fluff about, well, you know, this is, this is our strategy. We've done a lot of research on, it, and this is what we're going to do because we feel like that's best for the team, which is a great way of not answering the question at all. And that these guys are smart in that way. They, they will answer the question without answering the question. And you can ask Jenkins, Hey, tonight, when you were looking at this, this, this game that you had an opportunity to win, or you go back to the Mavericks game when you had Vince Williams playing so well on Luca, why were you not putting him back in? He only played 25 minutes in the Mavericks game. And, and I can't say I wasn't watching that game. I was watching the back of my eyelids. I passed out at, I think I maybe made it to halftime, but I, I, like going back and, and looking at the numbers from what Luca done with Vince Williams guarding him, it would only make sense if you're playing to win that game to have him out on the floor guarding him, but that's not what he's doing. Speak, speaking of Taylor Jenkins and his comments, I can't remember if I brought this up after the Timberwolves game, but it was something that I wanted to bring up that sort of rubbed me the wrong way to Michael Cole asked a really good question about if you are in a game situation and you know – you know, halftime or whatever that you're getting beat on the glass. How do you, what what are you saying? What are you doing differently? How do you adjust, you know, in the second half to do better at that? And Jenkins' answer was essentially, no, we just do better. Yeah. And, and that, got- that rubs me so far the wrong way because that's so unrealistic you, that it's not as simple. And sometimes it's a matter of effort. But when you're talking about rebounding, there are strategic things that you can do depending yeah. on if is it a long is it long rebounds we're getting? Is it is it the paint rebounds we're not getting? Like where are the rebounds going to? How are they happening? How can we position our bigs to be in better position? Maybe I should have Jared on the perimeter less so he's able to box out better. I mean, there are just so many things that you can do, and it just goes to concerning about the play. I mean, you know, you got guys who are short anyway. You're small as a team. There are strategic things you can do to offset that, but. You can't just be like, hey, I know you're so much smaller than Rudy Gobert, but hey, do better at this. Give me a rebound, man. Yeah. <laughs> it just it, it drives me that that statement runs me the wrong way. It seems like one of those statements that's gonna I'm gonna think about if this team makes the playoffs come playoff time, because those are real questions that come playoff time, you have to address. You can't it can't just be do better come playoff time. You need to know, you need to have a strategy. And if you don't want to share that strategy, that's fine. But, like, it can't just be players, Desmond Bain, grow four inches on your arms in a wingspan and just, you know, grab the rebound. Like, it's not how it works, man. And it, you know, it, it's just telling to me. It's it's not really significant, really. It's one of those things that I'm sure a lot of people looked over. But to me, that's it a lot. And it, and it yeah, wasn't it. anything positive. So that man coming in the locker room at time. I, I got nothing, guys. Um, right. We just got. We just got to be better. That's all. Um, let's let's go out there and be better. <laughs> I just all understand. Like, there's surely there's something you can do. Like, 
Because those are real, man. If you talk about adjustments and him not adjusting, I want to feel like my coach has a plan. <laughs> like, in those situations and not just telling the player to just do better, man. And, and, I'm just and speaking. Speaking of that, I, I want to get you guys thoughts. Uh, David didn't see the game. I don't know if you saw the highlights. Well, what do you guys think about Taylor Jenkins' rant the, the other night? Like he, he he went off on the team um, in, a, in a timeout. What, what kind of you guys thoughts on that? Oh yeah, when he was red hot. Yeah, he was literally, literally red hot. He was red in the face. <laughs> you know. I, I finally, I guess, I whatever it takes. The team did play better. After that, so fine. I don't really have an issue with it. It, it helped motivate the team, I guess. To, they went on a run shortly after, and they were playing some pretty poor ball at the time. So I'm not going to say it wasn't worth it. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have anything much more past that. Um, they ain't worked for Marcus Smart. <laughs> now, should he be doing that more often? I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know, but. I was going to say, did you, did you see it, David? Uh, I, I didn't. Obviously, I didn't see it during the game, but I saw it after the fact. And, and I've got nothing but applause for it, man. Like, I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to be like a, a Grizz Company man here, <laughs> but some of the some of the issues that the fan base, some of the issues that we have discussed on here with Taylor Jenkins is the fact that he is so methodical and a lot yeah. of the stuff that he does is just repetitive. Right. I I'm I'm encouraged that we uh, there are some things that have kind of been exposed this year I feel like because of the lack of talent for him. But I'm encouraged to see that he is trying different stuff. He has to grow. He is a young coach. And I was out on Taylor Jenkins before we ever got to where they are at this season. Right. I, you know, you, you can go back and listen to to previous shows. There's an episode where I went on probably a seven or eight minute rant about how if this team ever wins a championship with him as a coach, it's going to be in spite of not because of him, but guys have to learn. And that that's not just the players that's Jenkins and everybody else on his staff. They have to grow in order to take this team to the next level. Right now, this team is in reverse because nobody's healthy. But I, I'm encouraged by that, man. What was it effective? Is it something we're going to see from him? Just like Candace says, I have no idea. I don't know that we'll see that over and over again from him. But the fact that he is trying different stuff, good on him. Yeah, I, I was encouraged by it because that's – that's not the type of thing that you see a lot from him. Maybe it was taking inspiration from Marcus Smart and when, when he kind of went on a rant, went off on, on the team and talked about how terrible they were playing a few games back, and maybe he took some inspiration from that. But it was good to see. Um, and as Candace said, the team did play better after that. They came back and, and made the game a little bit. Uh, I think the time just kind of ran out on a little bit too little too late. But it was just good to see that passion from him uh, because that's just, again, not something that you see. He's so methodical, so robotic and mechanical with not only kind of his demeanor, but even just the way he coaches the game. Everything is just kind of kind of the same thing, just repetitive over and over, just kind of does the same things. And that was that was something new. Uh so I, I was just kind of kind of happy to see it, man. So that's just something I want to touch on and kind of get you guys' thoughts on. Yeah. 
Final score again of tonight's game, 117 to 104. Going back to the Mavericks game that uh, we didn't do an episode because your boy passed out early. I apologize. Was 120 to 113. And do you guys believe, like looking at this final score, seven points is not a massive spread. Was this something where they were completely out of the game and just closed it late? Or did they have an opportunity to win this the, the game against the Mavericks? They definitely had an opportunity. I think they just they just ran out of time. They really did. They, yeah. they put the line in that the lineup that worked out too late, in my opinion. I think you should have probably just played them the whole fourth. Uh, and I think you really would have had a chance then. But I just think some of the personnel mixed, mixing and matching. Uh, like I said, you didn't see Williams for like two quarters, and that was a mistake. It didn't even have to be that big of a hole. I don't feel if they don't go a long period of time without putting in players who you know were, were having an impact on the game. I, I like the competitive spirit I saw from them, and I think they did well. I mean, you thought they could take that one maybe with the Mavs being so shorthanded, but, of course, the Grizz are always going to be the more shorthanded team. And, uh, like I said, that's one thing I give them props for is fighting in the fourth. So they played some of their best ball in the fourth, and you need to see that when they do get the talent back. Because then that's how you start winning games. Yeah, I think I think if they had probably five more minutes, I think they might have pulled that one out. Uh, because they definitely had the momentum. It was just a little bit too little, too late. As Candace said, I don't think the deficit had to be as big as it was. I think there was some definitely some bad lineup stuff from late third uh, up into the early fourth, and they just kind of waited too long to kind of put those guys in and, and stick with what was working early in the game. Um, but it was good to see them fight back. Like I said, they they could have laid down um, in that game because they were they got down significantly. I don't know, it might have been 14, 15 um, at one point yeah. early in the fourth, and they just kept kept fighting back. Man, they were in that thing, uh, but they had to foul um, a, a lot late. They getting foul calls. That, that was that was getting to the free throw line and just kind of ran out of time, man. But they they didn't give up at all, man. And, and you like to see that fight even. With the roster the shape is in, and even if you're losing games, you don't like to see those games. But there have been some where you could tell they were just checked out by halftime. They come out third quarter, you could tell they just didn't have it at all and kind of had already checked out in that game. That was not the case in this one, just kind of like it was tonight. They just kept fighting to the end, man. It just kind of ran out of time. Yeah, they were down 21. They really could have laid over in that one. It, it looked, it looked yeah. pretty, pretty looked, looked pretty dead for a while, and then they brought it back to life, to your point. Um but a lot of that, uh, again, I just want to give Darren a shout-out. Uh, there's been a lot to be made on Grizz Twitter. Uh, somehow there's still been criticism of Jaron despite back-to-back 40-point games. Uh, I'm talking about this rebounding. I think people really underestimate that if he was a elite rebounder, he would literally be like an MVP candidate. Like, I don't know. People like understand the, the expectations that people have of Jaron and, and how much they're asking him to do. Uh, there's been stretches where I've been critical of him and where he hasn't been playing well. But when he's playing well, man, McCall, like I see it. I'm not going to criticize elements of his game. I mean, American beings, the reality is most of them average somewhere between six to eight rebounds. I mean, it's Joel Embiid. It's your, it's your international players, to be honest, the guys who've been playing professional ball since they were a lot younger that are your elite big man now. Did you just say something about the way we bring up centers in the in the league? Maybe, but I don't think that's any indication on Jeremy. I mean, everybody can't be a twenty and ten guy. And yeah, I mean, because, I'm sorry, good. No, I was gonna say people 
wanted to be Giannis, and it's just yeah. this is not him. I mean, I mean, but he's very, he's still awesome. He's still very, very good. Like he, I think people have these crazy expectations for him. Like if you think that, and Sean Coleman said this in the space the other night, if you think he's gonna be Giannis on a football, and then you're always gonna be disappointed because he's not gonna be that. But I'll take what he's doing for sure. Like that, that's yeah, if you got John Moran and Desmond Bain and you got a Jared Jackson Jr. on your team, man, you're you're in good shape. Like you you he's not gonna be Giannis. So if you're Expecting that every night, then you you're definitely gonna be disappointed. But I mean, like you said, man, back to back forty point game, still got your seven rebounds tonight, man. And, and you know what he can do on a defensive end, defensive player of the year last year. Again, if he was averaging 10, 10, 11 rebounds, like you said, he'd be one of the best players in the league. He'd be an MVP candidate. And that's not what he is. Most people aren't that. That's the thing that people gotta understand. Can, can we just be okay with having a top thirty player? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do we do we have to have a top five player? I mean, we got John Moran. Like, do you need like both guys? <laughs> like, I mean, seriously. He's all star last year. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, all, all, I mean, uh, first team on defense. I mean, it's, it's twice in a row. Like, I mean, the guys I got accolades and a resume for days, and just I wish that Grizz Nation could really appreciate him for for what he has a. He doesn't have to have that dog in him. Like every player on the roster can't be a bunch of dogs, man. So you need different temperaments because then you just get a bunch of Draymond Greens walking around. Like you, you just get a bunch of temperaments, man. Like somebody's got to be chill. Somebody's got to be the unserious one to make the team laugh. You know what I mean? Like there, are, there's value in different personalities. Everybody doesn't have to have that killer instinct. Everybody doesn't have to have that. You need it. You need it on the roster, but you also need balance, man. I would be that people could appreciate Jaron for what he brings and for, you know, who he is. He is what he is. And I think that's more than enough for this Grizz team to to do something special. Yeah, he's just not going to be that big physical monster like people want to be. That's just not his game. It, right. and it's kind of the same way people were about power here back in the day. It was kind of the same thing. Power was fantastic and people didn't appreciate him. You saw what happened when he left here. Uh, with a team that would come with Brian and won all kind of titles. So, that he's, I think people are like expecting something that he's not, and, 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 and that's but that doesn't mean what he is isn't really good, exactly. So, shout out, shout out, trip man. It's, it's he's making his job oh, here, and uh, you browse it back after a rough stretch. You love to see it, um, couldn't be better timing. There are 14 guys right now in the NBA that are averaging 10 rebounds, and out of those 14 guys. There's maybe, man, there's not even three of them at this point in their career that I would consider trading Jaron Jackson for. Nikola Jokic is one, and then Anthony Davis not interested. When Anthony Davis is healthy, he's one of the most dominant big men in the league. The problem is he's made of glass. Demonis Sabonis is another one that's averaging over 10, and he's a very good offensive player. But Demonis Monis is a subpar defender. Not interested in that. Ru- Rudy Gobert is the next one. A- excellent defensive player. He's trash on the offensive end. You have Joel Embiid, who is good on both ends of the floor. Jalen Duran, he he's young. You don't know what he's going to be. And I, I feel like he's going to be more of like a rebounding specialist. And he may average like 10 and 10. He's never going to be a carry the offense type guy, I don't feel like. Could be wrong. Ben Simmons is another one. He's only played six games. So, like, to me, you just remove him off of the list. Giannis, 
we we talked about him already. DeAndre Ayton is another one, and no. if you <laughs> don't like Jaron Jackson Jr., you're not no, going to like DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, no. and if we're talking about overall game, Jaron Jackson no. is head and shoulders better than DeAndre Ayton. And if you don't believe me and you disagree, let's talk about the resume. Victor Wimanyama is another one that's averaging 10, and he we'll see what happens with him. He's got all this incredible hype. He's playing also well, eight foot tall, so. but you know, he, he, he's yeah. seven foot 11 with a 46 foot <laughs> wingspan. He should be getting 10 rebounds a game. Nikola Vucevic is old as dirt. Um, Evan Mobley is another one that, that's averaging 10 and then Clint Capella and Mitch Robinson. So I didn't like, the only people on that list that I'm having a conversation with and moving Jaron Jackson would be Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. Exactly. That's it. Because guess what? That's what, it. That's what we learned going down that list. That every player has a flaw. <laughs> like, unless you are the greatest in the world, every player has a flaw, man. And I, and I think that's what people tend to overlook. No player is is perfect and that they are. I assure you, they are winning MVP or have won MVP. Guaranteed. Yeah, take, Guaranteed. Say, and even the, even the players that have won MVP that we didn't point out flaws, Nikola Jokic, Jokic is not a great defender. He's yeah. not. He's a good team defender. He plays well within the scheme, and he does what you need him to do. And what he brings offensively, you're definitely not taking him off of the floor. Joel Embiid is probably the only one that doesn't have a massive weak spot. He's an elite passer. He rebounds the ball well. His health would be his only thing. But over the last few years, that has been better. And then Giannis, like Giannis is awful from the free throw line. He's 67% from the free throw line. He's one of the worst free throw shooters in the league because of the volume. And like, yeah. like that's the only three that we didn't really point out big flaws, but each of them have their own flaws. Yeah, for sure. I think we just get too focused on Jarrett's. And so I really hope the, the the crowd can, you know, chill out on that, man. It's you run, you run great, great franchise players out of town that way. And I appreciate what you have, especially when he's still so young. And I think people use that as a reason why he should be better. But man, just appreciate hear the resume at this age. It's it's, it's real come by, to be honest. Yeah, man, he and he's so fun to watch when he gets going like he's been the last couple of games. Just aggression, you can see in the night. Just he didn't have no care of the world. He got the he got the basketball. He's just batting guys down, just going going to the basket, man. And you love to love to see it. He got to the free throw line tonight, man. Just just doing it all, knocking down threes, uh, doing it from the inside and outside. He even took a couple of big range jumpers tonight. So. Uh, he, he's in his bag for sure. Uh, even Dylan Brooks had a respect, and he dropped 40 on him. Yeah, dropped that was right. He was going straight at Dylan when Dylan yeah, was guarding him. I'm like, I hope he, he attacks him, and he did. And he was just going straight over the top of him. He knew that Dylan didn't have the length to guard him, and he was just killing that matchup. He got to that, he got to that one on him when he did. He stared him down when he got up. Yeah. I saw him look at him, gave him a little look. I was like, Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I, I don't really have anything else. I, I know that we, we missed the Mavericks game. We kind of talked a little bit about that. We talked about the Rockets game tonight. You guys got anything else before we get out of here? No. Um, 
I'm gonna say, what, what do you want to touch on this real quick? Not Grizzly related, but what, what do you guys think about the, the Draymond Green suspension? As long as it's meaningful. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, no, yeah, you started. Go ahead. No, I was just, just going to say, as long as it's me, like, as long as it's indefinite, it's like, I mean, as long as it's 10 games or something, like, it can't be like indefinite, it means back in like five games. Like, that's going to, it's going to piss me off. But um, if they mean indefinitely, like they normally mean indefinitely, in the sense that he's going to be gone for some time, I think it's fair. I think they, I can see why they didn't want to put a number on it. There's a lot of controversy on the, the number of games, but I mean, you wanted something to send a message, and I think indefinitely it's harder to work around, to be honest, than any large number because you don't I, how do you plan for that if you're the team? Um, so I'm for it as long as, as long as it's a reasonable, as long as they don't like bring them back in like five games or something, I'm good. So something definitely needs to happen significant for him. Because this is not the first time that something like this has happened. This is not the second time that something like this has happened. This is the second time this year third? that something like third. What was the other occasion? He choked out Gobert. He got. Yeah, uh, oh well, okay. This calendar year, this is a bonus thing. Oh okay. All right. This season, yeah. yeah this this season, yeah. I mean, this season. Yeah, I said this year, but this season is what I was referring to. But. I've got to say something to Grizz Nation in general here. Not everything that happens, like I'm pissed about the length of John Morant suspension, no doubt about it, but we don't have to compare everything to Ja. The situations are completely different, and I feel like, because of the disdain that we have for the league as Grizzlies fans, that any time that something happens with another player, it's immediately bash the league and whatever you do, whatever you want to do. But I just don't think comparing apples to oranges is the right things to, to do this for Draymond green is something that, they they swept under the rug because this team has been such a money draw for them. So they, they turned their head and now they're toward the back end of their career. And, and I'm hoping just like Candace says that this is, you know, uh, indefinitely, if this is three to five games, it's a chicken shit suspension. It should definitely be more than that. It should be double digits minimum. And I, I wouldn't be upset if it was like, I mean, I won't be upset if it's the rest of the season, obviously, but I, I think somewhere in the vicinity of that 20 to 25 game mark would be appropriate because of the number of times that we've seen crap like this from him. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but I, I said earlier today that, as you said, man, I think it should be the entire season because this is something, these aren't mistakes. Like, this stuff has happened with him over the years, over and over and over. You don't make these kind of mistakes over and over, the same guy. Like, and, and I feel like the league has enabled him, and I feel like Steve Kerr and that coaching staff has enabled him. Um, and, and he's got away with this stuff, slap on a wrist, two or three games here. And it obviously, it's not getting through to him, so it needs to be something significant for him to understand the seriousness of this. Like, I think he really needs some help. Like, there's something, like you some nurture said after the game last night, what's wrong with that guy? Like, there's really something upstairs that ain't right with, with Draymond to continue to do this. Like, 
Like you just come flat out roundhouse the guy. Like what are you thinking? And, 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 and choking out a Rudy Gobert. Like you got an anger problem. Like there's something going on in your mind that he snaps on the, on these plays, man. And because I mean that that choking out a Rudy Gobert that wasn't bad enough. And then you come back a few weeks later and you do this. I mean, at some point, the league has to say, okay, man, we come to a crossroads here. You're going to stop doing this and you're going to be out of the league because you can't, you have to protect the players. Like, and, and so if it's indefinite, if it's indefinite, it ends up being three to five games, that's, he's going to be right back doing the same thing, man. It needs to be something. I know they said they're going to make him do anger management. I know the league, Adam Silver, supposed to meet with him and, and GM Mike Dunleavy in a couple of days to discuss, I guess, whatever plan. They have for him. I got a feeling it's probably going to be like ten games or something. I would. I think he'll probably. I would. I, I think maybe Christmas Day. I would say maybe that's when he he returns. Which that probably won't even be ten games from now. Um, I, I just I don't think it's going to be what it should be. But Christmas Day is damn near not even ten days, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I, I I just don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's going to be significant. Nowhere near yeah, what it should be. Like I think it. I think it should be. For the entire year, honestly, but I just don't think they're they're gonna do it. It's the Warriors. I, he needs to go somewhere and get some help, though. This isn't just your normal situation where oh, well, you did this, we're gonna suspend you. He needs to needs to go get help, and this needs to, something that really gets through to him. And like I said, ten games, even three, three or five, even ten games, that's not that's not gonna do it. So I hope that they're serious about this. But you're right, man. I'm keeping getting how close Christmas is, man. This year's flown by so fast. That we're right up on it, but yeah, he probably won't be back for Christmas. But I, I don't expect it to be any more than like ten games, and I still don't think that's nearly as significant as it should be because I don't think that's gonna gonna change. I think in order when you have a guy doing the stuff, the type of stuff he's doing, has been doing it his entire career, you got to do something where it's major going to hit him in his pocket, and you got to make sure he's going to get the kind of help that he needs because again, this is just this is not just something normal. Like he really has something going on, man, and I think he needs to go go get help with. I don't think there's any question about it because he's, you know, you just don't do this stuff on, on, on a normal person just to do the kind of things that we see him do over and over. And and it, and it really is getting worse. It really is getting more and more indefensible to the point where people who always apologize for Draymond can't even apologize for Draymond. Like, it's just getting, I mean, there was debate over the DeMontis Sabonis uh, play. Man, man, I, 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 you know, I don't really – I still think that's way more on Draymond than anything that Sabonis could have done. You know, whatever people argued about that, it was sort of controversial. I really didn't think the Rudy Gobert thing was defensible, but some people were like, well, he was kind of involved in the whole Clay thing. Now, I don't think that Draymond's response was an appropriate reaction to even No, that. man, he's talking to that man all the way down the court, man. He didn't have right. to just let him go. <laughs> right. It, to me, it still wasn't defensible, but you still have people – Defending it, that use of Nurkic, it's a basketball play. Like, there's no question about it. It's 100% just playing basketball. It happens like every possession on the court between big men. And then like, it's just, it was just a snap moment. Like you, like yeah. you said, I, like it's, uh, to me, I don't know if you can get as unprovoked as that particular play was. And, and it's happening more frequently, it's more, doesn't take as much. You know, I, I I think they gotta make a statement, man. It's just it's it's getting it's becoming too frequent. And you just they're saying he can still practice with the team. If I was a teammate, I'd be scared because he punched out Jordan Poole. <laughs> Let's be honest though, Jordan Poole probably deserved it. <laughs> he might have Yeah, he probably he probably did. 
But still, man, like you know what I'm saying. Like, but, but of course Steve Kerr didn't see it. Steve Kerr did, did not see the play. Um, as he said in post game press conference last night. So something something else that just like burns me up to no end about this is after the game, they're sitting here in a press conference letting him rationalize why he was doing it. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, if, if you slow it down and you watch the replay, it's going to look bad. Yeah, you backhanded this dude, bro. You can do it in full speed. It looked bad at full speed. It doesn't matter that it's slowed be. down in the replay. But when he choked out Gobert, they put him in front of the mic so he can rationalize it. When he done this, he sits in front of the mic so he can rationalize it. Why? Why are we doing that? That it just doesn't that part doesn't make any sense to me. That's true. This man, I was gonna say this man gonna get up there and say, you know, if anybody knows me knows I don't apologize for things that I meant, but I didn't mean that, so I apologize for you some nerds. Man, if you don't get man, yeah, man. he didn't mean to do it. Man, that's get out bad. Of here. Yeah. That's bad. Plus the safety yeah. that he made, like yeah. that, why is that good that if you meant to do it, you wouldn't apologize? Yeah, yeah. Be, like comforting. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you're but you're right, David. Like common practice is, if you're an ejected player, you don't get a person. Yeah, you out the building, bro. You ain't you come to this, We gonna give you a mic to kind of to, to make your, to try to make yourself look better. Yeah, right. and, and that it may have been the day after when he had the the interview, but I, no. I just I don't know, man. It it's it is what uh-huh. it is. like he he's getting the opportunity because of the team that he plays for, and, and listen, I. On the floor, minus the antics, I think that Draymond Green will be one of the most underrated players in the history of the game because of what he does for that team. But he doesn't have all these big, puffy counting stats, but he does a lot of the small things that lead to wins for that team. So Draymond, the player, minus the antics, very, very good NBA player, the kind of player that you have to have on your roster to win a championship, but you can just miss me with, with all of the antics. Like I, I don't want that. That is like Pat Beverly, Chris Paul, the, the guys that have high basketball IQs that make winning plays, but have all the extra crap. Not interested. Yep. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. We'll get out of here. We we went. I don't even know how long we talked about the Draymond thing, but we went on that uh, that that tangent. Had to do it. Something that's happening in the game. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. The show is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will Two One. You can find me at Candace H Nine On One. I'll let Isaac take us home. Yeah, man. Uh, Grizzlies lose another one tonight, man. I, I think they get a win on Friday. Uh, we got a tough one coming up against OKC Monday and. Then Tuesday night, man, big TNT NASA game to return to 12 uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, so hopefully they can get at least one more. I think they win on Friday. Uh, so hopefully the third time the charm when they're playing the Rockets. Rockets are completely different team. 10 and 1 at home now, 11 and 1, but they're a completely different team on the road. Um, I think the Grizzlies, I think the Grizzlies get the job done. I think they'll get a seven win and see where we go from there. Uh, so thanks everybody for tuning in. You can get me on the XS Isaac Book underscore. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good to and we'll talk to you on the
And that will conclude our Sports Ethos presentation.